I'll go out on a limb, but a little known passage in Romans that Paul writes is, anything that doesn't proceed from faith is sin, which is a really terrifying definition of sin, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't make a checklist and say, uh-oh, I've repented of that, you know? <laughs> so I think if I personally or the church corporately goes out in a direction without praying and without discernment mm. and, and living out of faith, I think that, that, that calls into question yeah. everything we're doing. In my work as a pastor and pioneer of new things, I get to work with, coach, and learn from others, tilling soil, planting seeds, and praying for rain as we dig in and engage our communities for the mission of God. Join me as we share stories from the field in the Common Ground Podcast. All right, you're listening to the Common Ground Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Jalad, and it is so exciting to have our resident bishop of the North Georgia Conference with us today for a conversation about fresh expressions, Bishop Sue Halpert-Johnson. Uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, how long you've been in North Georgia, and um, really, I, I thank you again for bringing fresh expressions to North Georgia so tell everybody a little bit about that and yourself. Okay. Thanks, Heather. I uh, appreciate the invitation and being here. Uh, really, to me, Fresh Expressions, I don't know, people, people amuse me because they think like you are born a bishop and they forget that you <laughs> have spent years and years uh, in local churches. And um, I think I learned and, and I saw the need for Fresh Expressions early on uh, one of my early appointments, I was—I I remember doing a talk about it. How do you how do you preach with the Bible in one hand and a drain plunger in the other? Oh, okay. I heard the newspaper, but <laughs> no, 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 because the toilet I was plunger, cook and bottle washer. I mean, you know. Yeah, we we bought we bought plunge one part time secretary and a part time worship leader, mm -hmm. and if anything went wrong, it was I got the call. I you know I had to deal. And um, so that's where I started learning about the need for fresh expressions. Uh, I always joke around that I, I've always been appointed to fix her upper churches. So when people get upset because they don't get some illustrious appointment, I'm like, look, make your appointment illustrious because, you know, <laughs> uh, that's a good word. bloom where you're planted. That's kind of how this works. But um, I, I was sent to a rural church that was fast becoming a suburban church. And they were, it was a family church, literally a family church. Yeah. You could trace everybody in the church to the family. And they really understood the church as family. And it was declining because, you know, family members die. And if you don't, usually you don't replenish at the same rate they die, sadly, mm. um, or maybe gladly. But um, <laughs> so I, I started watching how they, they had no sense of the purpose and mission of the church, which is to mm. gather in more folks and mm. to, to really be a, a beacon of light and hope and salt and yeast. I mean, use all those things that Jesus talked about. Yeah. And they, I, I just couldn't get through to them because they're like, we have the friendliest church around. Oh, yeah. So uh, finally, I said, okay, I'm going to quit using the word family. There's a moratorium on the word family, church's family. Mm. So we started looking at church as the body of Christ. 
church is vine and branches, church is every member is important and has a function, because what comes with that kind of mentality is you're the chief cook and bottle washer, we pay you to do right. all the ministry that needs to be done. Our job is just to, you know, invite a couple people every year to come hear you, and if they are captivated by you, then our job is done. Yeah, do 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 a good job. We have to be the gathered, we have to be the gathered and it sent. On yeah. this one hour performance by you. <laughs> Wow, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I don't see Jesus saying that. So uh, two things happened. One, I had them drive up and down. It was on a major highway, best location of a church I've ever had, two intersecting highways. And I had them stop in convenience stores and at places all along the way and ask where our church was. Mm. And nobody could say. I mean, mm -hmm. even next door. Mm -hmm. I mean, they just were not a presence. Nobody knew they were there. Yeah. And the other thing I did was I took the church leadership. The church had a kitchen looking out on the fellowship hall, and they had coffee hour there every Sunday morning. And I said, I want you. I took the key leaders, and I said, we're just going to watch. And I want to. I want you to watch how this happens, and what you know. Just watch this room. Notice who talks to who, and what happens. Well, what they saw was any newcomer was not included. The mm. family was warmly embraced, but if you weren't in the family, they weren't. And mm. people would leave without being ever talked to. And I didn't even have to, I mean, I just asked for their reaction and that helped them see. And so mm. uh, th eventually they realized that they were the beacon in that community and they, they shifted their mentality. Mm. And we had, a, we had a YMCA program after school and they began by reaching out to the families of those children, some of whom went home hungry. Yeah. You know, they, they learned that there was hunger in our community. There was a lot of dysfunction. There was a, you know, a, a government housing complex across the street that they had never ventured, ventured into. And so it really was a process of prying it open and yeah. helping them. And, and it wasn't that they were mean people. That's just they had the wrong understanding of the church. Yeah. And so... Um, I, when we moved to two larger churches with staffs, that was the same dynamic. I mean, everybody was just kind of comfortable in their own little shell. I remember a Bible study, and, and we were doing Wesley's questions, and, and one of them is, who have you shared your faith with this week? Mm. And they all looked at me like deer in the headlights and yeah. were like, what, what does that mean? And what does that even look like? And 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 everybody everybody believes in Jesus, and everybody knows about God, and because those are all we're all swimming in the same I pond. Open at eleven o'clock, and they yeah. wander in when they're ready. Yeah. That is. So <laughs> so anyhow, uh, so then about that time, uh, Kim Carter came to Florida, and he was really part of the fledgling movement of Fresh Expressions, and he introduced me to it. Mm -hmm. And we, I realized this is what. I've been doing my whole ministry. This is, and, you know, there were always people, I remember uh, parishioner Evelyn. Evelyn, what, you know, she tried to be on the worship planning committee and she hated that. She tried, she never fit in because she knew yeah. the church is supposed to be outside the door. So when we had her focused on the homeless in our community, she built this huge home because, and I realized all these weird people in the church yeah. we never knew quite what to do with they got it mm -hmm. and they would likely move on to other churches because they were not going to be happy in this kind of complacent little nest of family. Mm -hmm. And so uh, early on, Ken Carter invited uh, me and uh, Gannon Sims, who's with Fresh Expressions, um, and uh, Jeff Conklin Miller, who's a professor at Duke, and some other key pastors, George Acevedo and Audrey Warren, 
um, who are also pioneers in this whole movement. Yeah. Uh, and we just got on a plane and went to England to see it firsthand. And I mean, it was a, it was a run for your life, 10 days, lightly packed. We hit every subway, every uh, train. We were, we went all over. Yeah. Ken actually talked about this on a, a webinar they did on, um, I think it was Monday. Uh, he and Audrey did. Michael was a part of that as well. That talked about the, tw- I guess, 20 different fresh expressions that y'all um, were able to visit over the time that you were there. And, and, and these were the, ur- I mean, these were the real, the founders of the movement. I mean, you know, they're legendary in fresh expressions now, but we saw where they worked and how they'd done it. And it was compelling. And I was, I was, and, and even to go to, you know, um, we went to uh, uh, Westminster, the Methodist Central building, uh, to talk about fresh expressions. So even in the old Vanguard places, yeah. and then we went to Cambridge. And at Cambridge, at Ridley Hall, at Cambridge, I mean, these were these were uh, old guard, mm-hmm. stuffy old Englishmen who were excited <laughs> about fresh expressions. I'm like, dang! And with a new idea, a new idea about theological education. Why aren't we training? Why don't we have a path yes. to do this? And and a real camaraderie. And what I also appreciated about it was, you know. Uh, it was a vision of the U.S. 20 years down the road. Yes, absolutely. Because, um, because people don't get up in Great Britain to go to church anymore. Yep. And that's fast with two-thirds in our country. Well, and it has been accelerated by the COVID pandemic, right? Because, I mean, I would say that fewer even of the people that were in our churches before COVID are actually going to come back. And we've all created new habits and we've discovered that, you know, maybe we like to sleep in on Sunday or maybe we like to do something different with our family on Sunday or whatever. But, you know, that there are other alternatives um, to, to people gathering. And so uh, so we, we learned all about it and it just gave us a common language and an understanding that this is what I experienced in ministry my whole time. This is this is not fresh expressions. This is the church. This is what the church was designed to be. Yeah. And so I came back and uh, and became a DS. I don't remember if I was a DS already or beca- I don't remember. But anyhow, <laughs> I, I knew I, I wanted it institutionally. Not, I mean, you can't institutionalize stress expressions, but you've got right. to have people who are focused on it. Right. And so um, I had been working with a, a young pastor. I had met him and he's got a sorted past and he's freely freely will tell you about it. But oh, yeah. I had we had walked through his uh, certification process together and I'd gone to bat for him and he was in this little church and for lack of a it was just a mean church. I mm-hmm. mean these people you changed anything and they would come at your jugular. Mm-hmm. And um, so he wanted to do some changes. So he invited me to come and I remember I sat with that church and I said, look, I am supporting him anything he wants to do because this community needs Jesus and y'all are not moving out into it. And um, so if you fight him, you're fighting me. I'm not mm-hmm. moving him. He's going to win. <laughs> and and wow. I said, because what he wanted to do was to... Um, to put, I can't, I think 11 o'clock was their golden hour and he wanted to switch the worship times and they were all outraged about that. And I finally Mm -hmm. said, you know, 11 o'clock is only 11 o'clock so you can milk the cows before you get there. I mean, it's it's a great, it's based in the past. The world has changed, friends. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
I was talking to one of my other uh, counterparts a couple weeks ago in a, a podcast interview, and we all decided it was okay to cry. If you haven't cried in ministry, if your heart hadn't broken, if you don't resonate when Jesus says, Oh, Jerusalem, that I could gather yeah. you under my wings, because it is, it is the most heartbreaking. Yeah. But when there's a breakthrough, and he had a major breakthrough, and the people who were most angry and most entrenched in the past went to another entrenched church. I mean, there's yeah. no lack of small family entrenched churches, sadly. Right. And so... Um, <laughs> So then he started exploring and gay and, and I really got him, you know, go to the fresh expression stuff. I think this will help. And he was caught, you know, he yeah. was, he realized. And so, uh, and Michael Beck is his name and Michael, um, you know, I, I um, expanded his territory and gave him more responsibility and his wife Jill's now involved in it as a yeah. pastor. And so what he, and then I said, okay, I talked to Fresh Expressions National. I said, look, I really want to be kind of the prototype for this in my yeah. district. What if we um, hired Michael part-time to, he has a very centrally located church. And I said, right. what if we used him for training and uh, you could use him for training, however you want to use him. And I could use him to teach the churches and to help. And at the same time, I had divided the churches into, we call them mission fields. And so we each, you know, there were five to eight churches in every mission field. And, and what we did was we gave them the mission insight reports. This mm -hmm. is what your community looks like. Yeah. And they were, they were really starting to plan together in response to their, their communities because ministry is contextual. I still remember yes. a church they were talking about. They wanted to be the church for single people, and they went on about that for years. And then somebody said, hey, you notice we're driving by children to find single people. <laughs> and there aren't any single people we're attracting here. And so they built their ministry, yeah. became a huge church based on children's ministry. So it's contextual. Yeah, there's a great little report on Mission Insight that you can pull that you can kind of give to folks ahead of time that ask them to fill in, you know, kind of what they think their demographics are. And then you can present them with what they actually are. And it can be a very eye-opening um, wake-up call, I guess you could say, to what they thought was in their community. If you send people just cold to talk about their community, they don't know. And so we learn, let's give these mission fields their mission insight and kind of a coach to help them see, you know, these are the needs. This is what's going on here. You can choose to, to deal with it or not. But if you want to connect with folks in a real and meaningful way, this is what's here. And so that's what they did. And Michael came alongside that. And, and, and our goal was to have a fresh expressions out of every church. And I can't remember how many they have now. There's like 80 or 90, I think, in Florida. And most of them are in your previous district. We're talking over seven years, and there certainly is. There's a ramp-up time, and it yeah. feels excruciatingly slow. But then there seems to be a time when it and, – and, you know, um, when we're evaluating churches, and we've gotten a lot of discussion about closing churches because some people feel like it's a major tragedy for a church to ever close. But a church – the definition of a church is, in our book of discipline is – a community that reaches out to the community around us. There's a real sense that you are in the incarnation of Christ 
for the people in your community. And if you're not connected with the people in your community and you have no concern about being connected with people in your community, by definition, you're not a church. Well, the William Temple quote, right? The church is the only organization that exists for the people that are not yet a part of it. We've seemed to have forgotten that. Well, and you know what? You can learn a lot because I've used that many times and there are some people who write me outraged every time I say it. And what do you mean? No, no, no. The church, and clearly the church has a purpose and a focus for its membership in pastoral care right. and, and development. But the whole point of the church is, you know, your job as a pastor is to equip the saints for, for ministry. the work of the church. A direct yeah. biblical quote. You're yeah. not there to do the ministry. For and them. I, yeah. Quite frankly, I, I think that a lot of people are not captivated by the church because the joy of doing ministry mm. is the heart of it. And so mm-hmm. I get angry with pastors who hog the ministry or hold mm-hmm. themselves out as the ministry professional and only they can do it. Yeah. So it really is, I think Fresh Expressions is a call to the church to be the church. I don't mm. think it's anything newfangled. Or, I think right. it's the Acts Church uh, and, and we're reclaiming it. Right. And that's what we saw all over England. And um, amazing stories, amazing. And I was like, when we were processing it after we finished our trip, I was like, this is, I'm just so glad. I thought I was crazy. Yeah. Oh, amen. I've had that. I've had that conversation with myself. This is supposed to be. I think I'm crazy on a weekly basis. So I have to thank you for um, really your your message uh, that opened our virtual annual conference this year that focused on John 21. Um, and I say that because um, just started my my doctoral work with United under the the mentorship of the Jedi you mentioned before, <laughs> Michael Beck. Um, yeah, be careful of him. He's oh, I love him. Um, <clears throat> but we've been talking about this whole idea of traditioned innovation. Um, doing a new thing or a new thing, an old thing, a new way. Um, and I mean, John 21 and the disciples and Jesus telling the disciples to cast the net on the other side of the boat is absolutely an old thing, a new way. And, and is really the epitome of fresh expressions and that we're not tossing out the old thing, but we're, we're, we're continuing to do the old thing, but we're also inviting people to do it a new way. And so there, and I think Heather, the, the the key is, and this is what we saw all over England, and that we've seen in successful. The key is the prayer that goes before oh, yeah. it. That you that that the Holy Spirit is willing, and and I tried this as a DS. I finally thought, what if I just you know I I pick something that gives me. I was angry at the homelessness in Ocala, Florida. And I said, okay, I'm just going to trust the Holy Spirit. And so I set aside a Thursday morning prayer time. And every week I would pray and I would discern. And my prayer was put in my way. Who needs to be part of this? Show me how this needs to unfold. I have no idea. And every week new people would show up. And by the time I left, we had a homeless center. Mm -hmm. Because the Holy Spirit, that God, you know, I think, Part of part of the bad theology out there is that God hides the ball. That oh, you have yeah. to like figure out what God No, God, I love the I love the whole notion that wisdom, that God's word goes out oh. abundantly to through all the universe and we just have to discern it. God is telling each church exactly what it needs to do. Yeah. But nobody's it's like having it's like having uh, um 
a one-way communication system with no reception. If you don't have the prayer time and the life of discernment, and I say many times, if I went back in the local church right now, we would be sitting and praying and discerning. Mm. And the discernment, that little church I was talking about, we we spent like three years praying for God's vision for that church. And finally, we were in a meeting, and a woman who was peripheral to the church, she had been a longtime member but was not in the leadership she just stood up and she said, I've been praying and God has shown me that we need to be the lighthouse to provide services and connect people with help here in this community. And boom, it was like a fuse was lit and yeah. the church knew its purpose and meaning. So I do think if, if that God has a new sense of purpose and the Holy Spirit's there speaking to every church. And I think I'm glad I'm not God because I would be so frustrated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that oh, I yeah. Jesus is like, I have all these people who wear crosses and put their name on my door, you know, and they never, ever consult me on what they want to do. They never, they never ask my opinion. They never ask for the Holy Spirit to lead them. Their eyes are blind to the ministry needs all around them. And it's just, what is the church? The church is not a place that I I, I call it. I'm beginning to think the church is just a nostalgia factory. Yeah. Yeah. We close when we close a church, Heather, I don't get any letters saying, oh my gosh, there were all these vibrant ministries and you're shutting them down. Right. The letters I get, well, I, w- I was a child there and, yeah. and you know, I haven't been back there in 10 years, but it just breaks my heart you're closing that church. Yeah. Or I got married there. I can't believe you're closing. There's never any ministry. It's right. like, this is not, it's not about, we were, house. right. It's not about the, all the baptisms and the, the new believers and the new mission and ministry in the community and the transformation that was seen and yeah not none of that it is yeah it's a pretty sanctuary yeah 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 well i think uh, uh, with all of this is just the you know the the bifurcation of 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 uh, secular versus sacred and you know our inability to recognize god in all of the places and spaces that you mentioned um that we can only encounter god in these like sacred uh, buildings um, which is, you know, it speaks to the, we have to get back to the building. We have to get back to the building. And, Such and, a limited understanding of worship. Right. Well, and I mean, as Methodists, right, the prevenient grace of God that is at work in every person's life that we're just, uh, as you said, you know, um, what is it? The, oh, I can't think of that. The poet that said that the earth is just ablaze with the glory of God. And, and we're just, we're just, you know, I think we're moving at such a, a, a pace of life that uh, certainly, again, COVID has been a gift in this way. We, we move at such a, a pace of life that we are unable to see those things or we build up the programs of the church that we have a hard time even keeping up with what we're doing in the building with the people that are already there, that we have, the, we have no ability to re- even recognize God's hand in our community and these um, unexpected places, at least for us, um, that... Well, we've mistaken busyness for faithfulness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I go back to, to the vine and the branches and the pruning that needs to happen so that some real fruit can be born. There are so many good things that are happening. How, how do we say no to some of those good things so that the, that that slow work of the Holy Spirit can really take root and bear fruit as we listen and discern and pray and 
you know, um, get out into our communities and prayer walk them and have conversations with people um, that are never going to come to our buildings um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, but well, and, and you know, I'll go, I'll go out on a limb, but a little known passage in Romans that Paul writes is anything that doesn't proceed from faith is sin, which is a really terrifying definition of sin, right? <laughs> I can't, I can't make a checklist and say, uh oh, I've repented of that. You know, so I think if I personally or the church corporately goes out in a direction without praying and without discernment mm. and, and living out of faith, I think that 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 calls into question yeah. everything we're doing. If it's not conforming to the mind of Christ, if it's not in in God's um providence and future for that church, which I think every church is called into being to serve and to have a purpose, then I think, you know, our labor's in vain. 